Let's Break It Down. That's right. It's the Let's Break It Down podcast. It's Lemmings. It's Jay Will. And we are here to talk to you about stage four, week number two. We're going to be taking a look at all these matches coming up, a little bit of news going into it. But I do have Jay Will and the lovely AJ with me as well. Make some noise. We're making some noise. I'm not sure how much she'll make, but she's on the floor right behind me playing with an umbrella at the moment. <laughs> All right, umbrellas are nice. Umbrellas are nice. We'll see if we'll see if she wants to contribute something to the podcast. We may have to do like an AJ lock of the week or something. We may have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, today is August the first. That's right. We are into almost the last month of Overwatch League. Certainly the last month of regular stage play. And we're going to be talking about stage four, week two. But before we dive completely into that, got a little bit of news that's worth covering. I've got you on my radar. All right, kicking us off, Jay Will. We are going to be talking about Sigma in the seasonal playoffs. So we discussed his kit and who he was coming into the game in our last episode. But in this episode, we learned that he is going to be added during the seasonal playoffs. Big mistake in my opinion. We've discussed this a lot when it comes to changes and when they occur. We're not a fan of them late in the year. We're not a fan of adding new characters or going to something drastic so late in the season because it just it changes everything. So everything you've done for the first three stages has just gone out the window. So, I mean, think about it in terms of, I get, you can just go to the NFL at this point. You have essentially four months of a regular season. You play... 12 of your 16 games, you know, one way. And then you get to those that last month and it's like, oh, by the way, this is now completely changing on you. I just, I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah, I I think it's a little odd, especially when you're talking about playoffs. I mean, you kind of want the playoffs to be the story of the season, not a brand new story, you know? Um, NFL, you get down to the playoffs and you see the teams that were good throughout the season or made a last minute push and they got into it. And then you get a chance to, to see if they really are as good as you thought or, you know, against the top competition. But this will be, I mean, team, this ultimately turns into some teams manage to scratch out enough wins or play, get in through the play and tournament to get into it. And then at this point, it's just whichever team learns to use Sigma the best. Because not only are we going to be seeing Sigma in the seasonal playoffs, but they are also going to be moving the seasonal playoffs to patch 1.39. And if you're not familiar with patch 1.39, it's basically a complete rework of Brigitta because she doesn't fit into Rolock 222. She's not a solo support. She requires somebody else. And on top of all that, there is a global 12% increase in ultimate costs. So on top of bringing Sigma into the game and the stage playoffs, they're also going to completely change how the game is played on a foundational level. I mean, the patch has obviously big changes. And the biggest one being, like you said, Bridget, and I'm not sure how much she's actually going to factor in when those changes come down. I mean, her shield is like nothing anymore. Uh, Her healing obviously gets a boost, but I'm not sure it's really worth playing over any of the other viable supports that teams are most likely to run. Mercy, Ana, Zen, even Moira, Lucio. So I don't know how much it's really going to affect teams. It's going to be a question of how much they want to use her, I guess. How much dive are they seeing, really? Do we want to combat a Tracer or a Genji with her? But Overall, it's just it's just a rework, not even, well, it's not a full rework, but, you know, adjustment to the hero to try to make it more viable within a roll lock situation. So, is what it is. 
I don't know. So many things are changing within the end of within stage four and into the season playoffs that we might as well just start it at the very end. I mean, it, it is a rework to me because if you're used to playing Brigitte, you're used to being borderline indestructible as long as you're balancing, holding up that shield versus swinging your swinging your mace. That's completely not the case anymore. Uh, so her inspire healing to herself has been halved. Her shield has been nerfed. So she's she's not the indestructible tank support hybrid that she used to be, and to, to me that's gonna that's a complete rework. Yeah, I mean the things in her kit stay the same, and not not stay the same, but like the names of the things in her kit stay the same. She still has the same moves, but they look extremely different, and she's gonna be much much more squishy. So if you're a Brigida player, uh, you haven't tried out the PTR, you haven't looked at it yet. Um, you, you know, go because because you need to learn how squishy you are. Uh, then there's the, the global 12% increase in ultimate costs, which is going to force teams into a much more individual skill competition, um, which we're kind of seeing now anyways. I mean, you're looking at the DPS characters just trying to get a pick here and there. Uh, ultimate synergies, I don't think, have been fully fleshed out yet, uh, obviously, other than some good combos here and there, you know, the nano blade, those kinds of things. But it's not like we have not like we had during three three where there was just complete and total synergy in the ultimates. But now, not only do you not have, you know, a complete you know a six pack of ultimates meaning something, you're just not going to get those as frequent. So you're going to be forced into those pick pick and pull fights where, you know, you maybe get a little bit aggressive with an armor pack and a shield on Reinhardt, but then you got to back back out and you're just looking for the, to win the poke war and. You know, those fights are going to be, I guess, you know, the casters term them neutral fights, which are basically when when teams don't have a significant number of ultimates. And there's just going to be a lot more of those. Moving on, we have an announcement for the Team USA World Cup team. And in my opinion, it's freaking stacked. <laughs> but, but then you got to look at all the other other rosters and they all look pretty stacked, too. But we're looking in the tank section at Muma Super Fact Fiction in Space. In the DPS core, we've got Dante, Corey, Sinatra, KSF. And then at uh, support, at KSF and Hydration, right? Yeah, you guys. They're labeling Hydration as a support, which I don't think they're doing. No. And then in the support core, we've got Sleepy, we've got Moth, and we've got Raucous. Uh, The big one that stands out to me is Raucous's edition. Uh, We talked about this a little bit. I'm not overly familiar with everybody who's us born and you know eligible to be a part of the team that's a support player um but that one did kind of catch me off guard as far as his addition i assume jake would have been on the team but i guess they just elected to go with ksf and and or hydration over him not surprised to see uh sinatra Corey, or dante uh cory i believe will just be the Widowmaker specialist there and i mean that's AJ, by the way. She's uh, also wondering where where Jake is on the roster. Granted, we're, we're, the we're personally takes. fans, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So Corey will be the Widowmaker specialist. If for any reason they need to use Zarya, I can't imagine they'd use anybody but Sinatra on it. But he can also do other things. He's very flexible. He has a good hero pool, and Dante is a phenomenal Sombra and Tracer. So uh, the roster shapes out pretty well. Uh, I'm in- intrigued to see them play against some of the, the world competition, though, and some of the other rosters, which are truly stacked yeah all right without further ado let's dive right on in to the week two matches pass into the iris kicking us off today thursday august the first almost went october there that was dangerous 
That was close. That was about to be two bucks. <laughs> August the 1st, we have the Guangzhou Charge taking on the London Spitfire. I think this is actually a, a fire first match because, you know, we had a lot of questions about Guangzhou coming into this stage. Obviously, they suffered immensely in stages two and three. They came out swinging last week against, in my opinion, maybe some subpar competition. So this is going to be the first clash that the Guangzhou Charge are going to have with a top competition. And last week we dubbed the term Scary London, which is the stage four matches handed to them on a silver platter in London, where they get to run their 100% locked loaded uh, A-line roster. And so I I am super excited to see this. We're going to learn a lot about Guangzhou Charge. And I think we're going to learn a little bit about the London, the London Spitfire as well. Yeah, I'm actually really excited for this matchup. London's one of the best 2-2-2 teams in the league, hands down. They've proved that already just with the first week of the season, or of stage four, excuse me. But Guangzhou fits really, really nicely into the 2-2-2, and they have arguably the best Widowmaker in the league and happy. This by no means is a, a cakewalk. Uh, is not a team anybody should be overlooking right now. They're making a really strong push to the playoffs. I am still picking London because I they're just they're that good in the two two two. I'm not sure Happy's going to be enough to overcome it. You know, you're still operating with Gesture, uh, Fury, Profit, Bird Ring. I mean, you just got so much to work off of for London. So I think the the other pieces are going to be enough to overcome what Happy provides to Guangzhou. But this should be a good matchup to start the day. At the end of the day, I'm going to be locking in London. This is the London roster that won them a season championship in season one. This is the London Spitfire that are the season champs, the defending champs. And uh, so I'm, I'm, I got to lock them in at the end of the day. I think there's going to be some epic bird ring happy duels. But I just I just really feel like London, I mean, this is the tight roster, well communicated, locked and loaded. I'm putting them in. All right, and that is going to lead us into the Florida Mayhem losing to the Washington Justice. That's how I've got it locked and loaded. (laughs) I'm kind of tired about talking about Florida's changes. So let's talk a little bit about Washington. We saw Corey rise to the occasion in the 2-2-2 lineup. They have some tanks that they've traded for kind of hanging in the wind. Right now they've been still utilizing Sansam as the off tank, still utilizing Jonas as the main tank. I'd be interested to see if they start to make some shifts. Florida Mayhem is a great team to try out a new tank line against and see what you have. And so this might be an opportunity for Elevote and Lulzish <laughs> uh, to come out onto the field and, and see what they have. So uh, at the end of the day, again, I'm locking in the Washington Justice. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Justice this matchup. They showed me enough in week one with Corey and Stratus and, you know, Sleepy Arc just... They're they're good enough to beat Florida because Florida is just still all over the place. So give me Washington. I'm excited to see Corey do some more sniping and in preparation for World Cup play at this point. All right. And that leads us to the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Toronto Defiant. The Shanghai Dragons had a slip trip and a fall against the Vancouver Titans early, but they recovered at the end of week one. And this is a Toronto team that's been looking for an identity ever since stage one concluded. They've never found that identity. They've made a lot of player moves. It's not working out for them. They are running a DPS rotation, trying to figure out what works between Logix, Mangachu, and Ivy. None of it seems to be working right now, and I don't think they're going to rise to the occasion against the Shanghai Dragons, who found a little bit of their mojo again uh, in the second matchup, and so I'm going to be locking in the Dragons. 
Yeah, I'm not really sure what happened against Vancouver other than Hureg, you know, coming back from the dead. So uh, Shanghai is still very good. They're going to be fine in the 2-2-2 while Toronto is still trying to figure out who they are with some of the roster moves they made. Still like the changes they made. Still think they're going to be relatively competitive, but this should be a Shanghai win without too much issue. The nightcap for Thursday, August the 1st is going to be the Los Angeles Valiant taking on the Seoul Dynasty. Some really good storylines here. Los Angeles Valiant only got one match last week. And it was pretty competitive, so we'll see again another opportunity to see the Los Angeles Valiant take on a pretty strong competitor. The Seoul Dynasty tripped up twice last week, seriously injuring their opportunities in the seasonal playoffs, putting them squarely into the play-in tournament, in my opinion, at this time, whether the standings reflect that or not. And uh, so we're gonna. See, I, I think this is going to be a really competitive, a really good match. I mean, Seoul's going to be looking to try and save their season at this point. Los Angeles Valiant trying to look to continue their their tear from from stage three. And uh, I think at the end of the day, I got to go Los Angeles Valiant. I didn't like what I saw from Seoul in week one. Uh, a lot of players are abandoning Seoul. We saw Munchkin uh, pretty pretty suddenly depart the team. Fissures departed the team. Not to say that the players that they have there aren't competent. I just, there's something going on in Seoul that's not leading to happy players, which is not leading to good matches played on the stage. AJ, tell them how you feel about this matchup. <laughs> no? You got nothing? Other than scratching daddy's face? Uh, yeah, let's let's go ahead and call this what it is. Seoul's in trouble right now. Um, they better hope that nobody gets hot from that outside of the 7-12 to 12 range because they're in trouble. They're, they lost both matches last week. They didn't look overly competitive in either. The Valiant are a quality, quality 2-2-2 team with Shaqs, with uh, Agilities and uh, Kareev, KSF. You know, they just, they have all the pieces to be a very good team within Rolllock. And albeit they had to sweat one out last week against Paris, you know, they should continue to improve going forward. And I expect them to win this. Seoul just better find some answers quickly. Otherwise, they're at risk of missing the playoffs again. AJ concurs. Yes. Moving on to Friday, August the 2nd. We're kicking off with the New York Excelsior taking on the Paris Eternal. And both of these teams had some some confusing performances in week one. We talked at length about Nixel not putting in what we believe to be their starting roster. I still think you need to bring in Pine. I understand that you're looking for flexibility. You're looking for capability to move around within heroes, confuse your team, confuse the enemies and always have them questioning as to what lineup's coming out. That was the story that the New York Excelsior were Sabiobi and Pine for pretty pretty much exclusively throughout uh, Season 1. So people knew what was coming. They knew Pine was going to play Widowmaker, and they still couldn't stop it. I think you've got to put in Sabiobi and Pine and give it a chance. It may be your only chance to compete with Soon, who was just absolutely demolishing Linkser uh, in their first matchup on Widowmaker. And for for Paris... Uh, you know, leaving soon in, leaving Shadow Burn in, excellent choices, going to give you a, a chance to compete here. But at the end of the day, I think the New York Excelsior rebound a little bit from that first week, and they're going to be able to take this one. I agree. I'm hoping we get to see Pine. Granted, I've been hoping that all season. But if you just go save Yobi and Libero, I'll feel better. I understand Nene's flexibility, and he's a quality player, don't get me wrong. But I think if you just had gone back to what worked for you in season one with your roster, I think they would have won last week. Does that guarantee that? No. So we'll have to wait and find out. But at the end of the day, I think the the tank line, the support line is just a little better than Paris's for New York. So I'm going to take New York as well. It's great to see Soon and Shadowburn playing well, but I'm hoping New York goes ahead and goes back to Sabiobi, Libero, Sabiobi, Pine, some combination of the three. 
AJ does not agree with your take. <laughs> AJ, no, she, AJ she totally doesn't. Do Paris. you want to pick Paris? Is that who you want to pick? <laughs> Maybe. We'll talk about that later. But oh. All right. Well, hopefully she's on our side on this one, and that's going to be the Houston Outlaws taking on the Philadelphia Fusion. Philadelphia stumbled in both of their matches in week one. Can they make a comeback in week two? Houston had an up-down performance, losing out to Paris in their first match. And then a roster uh, error, <laughs> an inability to edit our roster, left Dante in during their, their second matchup against the Gladiators. They kept it rolling, and they were actually able to take down the Gladiators 3-1. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I have a lot more faith at this exact moment in time in the Houston Outlaws. As long as they leave Dante in, I under, you know maybe Linkser needs some more time to shake off the rust on Widowmaker. He was not able to compete with Soon at all. But leaving Dante in, leaving Jake in, uh, worked really well against the Los Angeles Gladiators roster with Sureforeign Hydrations on it. And so I believe that those should be competitive. Carpe, obviously, a great DPS for Philadelphia, but they really don't have something to complement him. I mean, they've been running EQO, but it's not working. Uh, they made a trade for Kib. I'll be interested to see if they put in Kib here because they lost both of those matches. Philadelphia is in a similar boat to Seoul. They've put themselves in a position by losing those first two matches to be playing for their seasonal playoff hopes and dreams. And uh, so I think they're definitely going to be looking for answers at the DPS position. But uh, I'm ultimately going to be taking Houston here. I, you know, I, look, I like the way they looked against the Gladiators. If they roll out that roster and they stick with it, I think, I think they're going to give Philadelphia fits and then this should be a Houston match. I think you hit the nail on the head, honestly, when you referred to if... Houston doesn't screw with their lineup, basically leaves Dante in. That's like the biggest thing for them. When they just do what they should do with their roster, usually good things happen for them. When they screw around with it, usually bad things happen. Um, I'm taking Houston. I'm not overly confident in that because this feels like one of those matches where both teams decide to either, well, it's a Houston decides to be Houston and do something they shouldn't do. And Philly decides to finally figure it out and say, hey, we got to make sure we get into the playoffs somehow. But I mean, this match is pivotal for playoff hopes for both teams. Um, a lot of these matches coming down the stretch are going to be huge for for teams trying to make that play in or even the top six. But I expect I expect Dante to stay in. I really do, and wreak havoc. I don't know that Carpe is going to be enough. They need to they need to find another another option. So hopefully they decide to at least give Kib a try. I don't know how much practice time he's been able to get in, how much scrimming he's been able to do with the team. But they need to they need to pair somebody with Carpe because Carpe can only carry but so much. Yeah, you need somebody else to be scaring on your roster so that they can't all focus on Carpe. Because if I'm playing the Philadelphia Fusion right now, that's I'm, I'm going to find Carpe and eliminate him, and then we'll deal with we'll deal with the rest of the team. Speaking of the rest of the teams, we've got the Chung Du Hunters taking on the Los Angeles Gladiators. Los Angeles uh, tripping up against the Houston Outlaws, but they were went one one. Chung Du Hunters uh, don't know what to say about them. A uh, little bit of news coming out that three or four of their players actually want to retire after the end of season one. Uh, don't you know? They claim being away from home, having not good food options, and I guess they picked maybe a not so good area for their team home. Uh, there's been some violence in the area, so they stopped doing a lot of their outside activities uh, in the house. I don't know what to say here. I mean, Chengdu arguably should be a really strong 2-2-2 team. I mean, Wrecking Ball plays a significant role in a lot of the compositions that we've seen so far, as long as you're not running Arisa Roadhog. And so you have Ameng, one of the best Wrecking Balls. Bacon Jack is certainly a more than serviceable Widowmaker. 
and Jinmu, a great Farah, a great projectile DPS hero. So you have the the tools and 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 capabilities to to work with. Uh, Los Angeles Gladiators, I mean, sure for hydration, you've got the DPS on the team. You should be able to put something together. And so at the end of the day, I'm going to be taking the Los Angeles Gladiators, taking down the Chengdu Hunters because every time I see Chengdu play, I just I, I maybe I have higher expectations for them than I should at this point. But I just don't feel like they've been living up to what they can and should be in the 222 lock. Yeah, that was a, a really interesting article that came out because it seems like the league has already done stuff to kind of alleviate that their most of their concerns going into season three. So uh, we'll have to wait and figure out what goes down with that after the season ends. But in regards to the specific matchup, uh, the Gladiators looked a little lackluster against Houston. I won't lie about that. Chengdu can still be unpredictable, even though they have all the pieces to be, you know, a very competitive 2-2-2 team. I don't know how well it's going to translate every match. They're more or less one of the most unpredictable teams, both from a consistency of play standpoint and a compositional standpoint. They love to keep things interesting, love to change things up. Everybody stays on their toes when you're playing against them. You don't really know how to prepare for them. But they have all the pieces to give the Gladiators fits. I just don't trust that they have the consistency that the Gladiators have. Even though the Gladiators did have you know, a bad match against Houston last week, I expect them to bounce back this week with Scherfer and Hydration and be just fine. Um, I just I want to see more consistency from Chengdu because I would love to see them actually make that play-in tournament. I think they'd be an exciting team in that kind of one-and-done format. Finishing out Friday the 2nd, we've got the Guangzhou Charge taking on the Hangzhou Spark. This is going to be an amazing matchup, in my opinion. This is the Hangzhou Spark proving that they can exist outside of the 3-3. They were very strong in it. Man, they had almost perfected it to the point where we felt like they potentially belonged up there in the Vancouver, San Francisco, New York Excelsior range. But they had the curveball thrown at them of 2-2-2 roll lock. And so this is about finding the DPS that works, uh, finding the compositions that work for them. A little bit of a storyline last week is the the crystal weird disappearing from the team, not coming back on time. We're going to find them and air out our dirty laundry situation. Uh, Guangzhou playing two matches kind of back to back. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I still believe, you know, well, I'm I'm a new believer in the Hangzhou Spark. We didn't <laughs> start that way. But I, I believe that the Hangzhou Spark are a talented team now. They've proven that to me. But they need to prove that they can survive outside of the 3-3. Guangzhou Charge is a great opportunity to do that against someone that we consider to be a strong competitor, but maybe not in the top tier. And so this will be, for me, a Hangzhou Spark prove-it match, and I think they're going to rise to the occasion. I certainly hope so, because they should be a very good 2-2-2 team. I don't know what the issue was last week. I really don't. They just didn't quite look right. But this is a very dangerous matchup still for them. I mean, we're both taking Hangzhou, but I'm not joking. This charge team is really good within the 2-2-2 because yeah, of Abby. And like he's so dangerous that you have to account for him at all times. And when you're having to focus so much on a Widowmaker, it really takes away your ability to focus on you know your front line and all that kind of stuff. And you know being able to get to your front line to heal them because you can't come around a corner. You can't go into a sight line and risk getting picked off because... That's basically what happens anytime somebody walks out in front of Happy right now. Right. So, you know, you're allowing a team to basically keep you into areas with one person, and that can be very dangerous. So I'm taking Hangzhou. I'm not overly comfortable with it, though. So I hope they find a way to pressure down Happy and force him either off of Widow or to not be quite as effective. 
but this is, should be another another really good matchup. I'm really intrigued by this charge team coming down the stretch. I, at this point, am expecting them to make the play-in tournament. I think they're currently in right now anyway, but I won't be surprised if they make a late push to get into that top six. I know that seems weird to say, but it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibilities with how they were able to kind of just float, essentially, and tread water for the first three stages. Yeah, I mean, realistically, once you get outside of the three teams that are already locked, uh, San Francisco, New York, and Vancouver, there's actually a pretty tight field. I mean, a couple of wins could potentially vault you into that sixth spot anyways, even if you're not doing – even if you hadn't had a great middle of the season, similar to what the Guangzhou Charge are attempting to do. A, another team that I think has a great opportunity to play into this tournament – and kicked it off strong last week is going to be the Atlanta Rain, and they're kicking off Saturday, taking on the Paris Eternal. And Atlanta had a pretty strong show in Paris. We had the up-down Paris last week. Atlanta had a pretty strong show in their first matchup in the 2-2-2, taking it down 3-1. to And I actually believe in, in the Atlanta Rain. Um, you know, Baby Bay is a very strong DPS. They have decent DPS um to support him and be another dangerous capability there. Dogman on support. And then you've got Poco or sorry, Pakpo. <laughs> I'm always going to confuse those two. And uh, you know, some really good, some really good players all around in the Atlanta rain. And I think they're going to be able to take down uh, the Paris eternal. The one question I have right now, and it's something I, I didn't really see necessarily out of Atlanta is, are they going to be able to deal with soon or what answer do they have on Widowmaker? The only half answer they have, and it should be actually a decent matchup, uh, is Baby Bay. I would assume that he comes out and tries to match soon on Widowmaker if that is what Paris elects to go with. Uh, this is a really even matchup through for both teams. They're both in the playoff mix. Atlanta's in a little better position because of their map differential. But the matchup between Baby Bay and Soon probably will decide this. If Soon has a, a game like he had against Houston last week, I would assume that actually Paris is able to knock off Atlanta. I just feel like Atlanta is slightly more consistent than Paris is. Um, I feel like that's kind of been the case even throughout the season thus far. Right. I know Atlanta hasn't been overly great, but I mean, they've been fairly consistent with teams that they should compete against. You know, they did knock off New York twice within a three, three meta. So they have that going for them in, in my eyes. Uh, I'm also taking Atlanta in this matchup. It, it should be another good one. Like I can't stress how how much fun these matchups are going to be down the stretch because so many of them have playoff implications and there are so many teams fighting for just 7 through 12 with a couple, probably three to four that could sneak into the top six still. And each matchup, just the, the pressure is just increasing. You know, the magnification of how important one match is, is just is going up every day right now. So this one should be another good one in that regard. And I expect Atlanta to find a way to win this one. Following Atlanta and Paris, we're going to have London stomping all over the Florida Mayhem. I expect them to put in some off players outside of their, their A lineup to see what they have. Uh, Quatermain started in one of their matches last week. I expect to potentially see him again. But at the end of the day, this is going to be the London Spitfire walking away with this no contest. Shouldn't be a contest, but don't be surprised if this is another classic 3-1 from London. They just don't like control point. <laughs> <laughs> And that moves us into the Dallas Fuel, looking to save any opportunities they have to make it into anything against the Los Angeles Valiant. I don't think they're going to have the opportunity against the Valiant to save, salvage their season at this point. And it's going to be the Los Angeles Valiant taking this one. Interesting to see what the Dallas Fuel are going to do with their DPS. Uh, we saw rotations between AKM, Taimu, and Zachary stayed in pretty consistently. 
Are they going to roll with one of those more consistently? Are they going to keep rotating AKM and Taimu, ben, you know, map dependent and, and counter pick dependent? My assumption is that Zachary is the mainstay on DPS just because of his flexibility. It allows you to to make counter picks and kind of run different compositions, whereas Taimu and AKM kind of have a little more speciality to them. But with that being said, I don't think Dallas is going to be able to save their season at this point. I think they've that stage three just kind of shot them in the foot. They were in a really good spot going into stage three, and then they just couldn't couldn't survive it. Unfortunately, they couldn't make the adjustment to Sombra. They had traded away basically their Sombra player anyway. Uh, I do expect the Valiant to come out, look strong again in this matchup. This one probably won't be quite as close as the Soul matchup could be, but I, I just want to see Taimu play a little better for Dallas's sake to give them a little more positive energy coming down the backstretch. Yeah. But the Valiant certainly can't afford to drop this with what they have coming, especially with that homestand. They have some nasty matchups in that homestand that are going to make or break where they finish in the in the playoff standings. Finishing out Saturday, we have the Los Angeles Gladiators taking on the San Francisco Shock. This should be an awesome matchup. We had a San Francisco that's starting to learn what they're like outside of the 3-3. They were the last kind of 3-3 holdouts, in my opinion, trying to keep it going all the way through the Stage 3 playoffs. And so, you know, week one, you come out, you got to learn a little bit, right? I mean, you only have one or two weeks to really practice and scrim outside of what you wanted to do. And so this is going to be, I think, a really, really competitive matchup. At the end of the day, I mean, San Francisco just has a talented roster all the way around. Uh, I mean, we've talked about them having to make the choice between Architect, Striker, Rascal, um, and Sinatra. I don't know why I totally blanked on (laughs) Sinatra there. But, uh, you know, it's a tough choice to make when you have so many talented players on it. But, you know coming out learning week one starting to figure things out who picks into who who counter picks into who putting in the rosters they rotated architect in and out uh rascal seemed to be the mainstay and i like that a lot so i think we're going to see a really strong san francisco come out and play a really competitive match with the gladiators but squeak it out in the end this is going to be fun this is another one of those california battles which you know they usually always are a blast because the games are in la uh but I expect San Francisco to to find a way to win this one. They've just been so consistent. And you did have questions about them since they basically stuck to 3-3 in Stage 3. And they came out last week and you're like, okay, everything's fine. I mean, they have such a great problem to have, which is so many different options to run at DPS. What do we want to run against this lineup? What do we run or wanna, want to run on this map? And I expect them to be able to do whatever they need to do to beat the Gladiators. You know what you're going to get from the Gladiators right now. It's going to be Shaxx. It's going to be Surefour. It's going to be Hydration. When you're seeing Surefour, you're almost guaranteed to see the Widowmaker. So I just I think San Francisco has enough flexibility to, to play around that. Um, I mean, they have Smurf if they don't like what Super is able to provide them if they decide to go Arissa because Super, phenomenal Reinhardt. Arissa, probably not his strong suit but they do have Smurf just sitting around waiting to go whenever necessary. I mean, their roster is just so deep. And I think that really is going to be the difference in this matchup, even though it should be a great one. I would love to see this go to five maps, but it should be a San Francisco win either way. Which means we're going to be heading into Sunday the 4th, kicking off with, I think, a really great matchup, which is the Atlanta Reign taking on the Houston Outlaws. And... This should be, I mean, this one's close for me. I, I'm, I'm sweating out the pick here. I ultimately went with Houston. It's just you never know what they're going to do with that roster. Are they going to keep Dante and Jake in? 
Are they going to switch him out? Is it going to be Spree? Is it going to be Cool Matt? At least Boink and Rockus are locked in, so you know what the support core is doing. But, you know, I, can Houston compete and battle with, with Baby Bay, with Dogman, with the stars that are on Atlanta? Atlanta had a really strong show in week one. We'll definitely learn a little bit more about them on Saturday, and that will probably influence how I feel coming into Sunday's matchup. But I think this one's going to be really competitive. I talk, we're talking about two very talented teams in the two-two-two meta that you know maybe struggled a little bit in the three-three. Uh, Atlanta coming off a really strong strength of schedule in stage three, uh, looking to make a push. You know, in stage four, they're in that they're in that play-in tournament uh, hunt right now. Well, both of these teams are. So I, I just really think this is going to be super competitive. I'm really excited to see this. What will Houston do? Um, if Baby Bay switches into Widowmaker, are they going to keep Dante into challenge with the Tracer, or are they going to try and run Linkser again, see and test Linkser's medal against maybe somebody more like Baby Bay? Really interesting. I think this is going to be an amazing matchup. It, it's probably des- I think it's really deserving of the match of the week on this Sunday, but it, it's going to be Houston for me at the end of the day. Definitely excited for this matchup. Uh, you're going to hear me say it throughout the rest of the year, but again, major playoff implications for both teams. Atlanta being in the play-in, Houston sitting just outside right now, but they're within like a game or two of each other. So this one should be a lot of fun. And for me, it's all about what does Houston decide to do with their lineup again? Do they elect to leave Dante in and let him run amok? Because I think, honestly, I think if you leave Dante in and let him either play Tracer or Sombra, I think he can handle any Widowmaker that he's up against. As long as his team's not dying regularly, don't get me wrong. Right. You know, but if you're if you're sustaining six v six fights and you're waiting for picks, I think Dante can do enough solo wise to keep a widow from just being able to find angles and technically be unchallenged. Yeah, you may not be countering with a widow against it, but he he puts so much pressure on your backline because he's always there. He knows how to find picks. He knows how to get in and out of situations. And then if you're going to have to deal with that EMP if he's on Sombra, then that's that's a huge win for Houston. I actually really liked the change to to leave Spree in, by the way. I don't know that they'll stick with it because Cool Matt is their best D.Va player. But I think Spree would be serviceable enough on D.Va to give them a little more flexibility because he can play a phenomenal Zarya and potentially, you know, gives you the option to at least play Roadhog, which Cool Matt just doesn't give you. So what does Houston do with their lineup? You know what you're going to get from Atlanta's lineup. They're, they're going to run Baby Bay. He'll play different heroes throughout the match. Um, I'm with you. I'm taking Houston. Some of that's a little hard overhead because this is more of a coin flip to me. But if Dante stays in, I think he's the difference maker. And that's pretty much it for any matchup Houston has at this point. You know, leave Dante in, let him run him up, and you should be in a good shape whether you win or lose. Sure. It's why you brought him in. And that moves us to the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Toronto Defiant. This is a match for the battle. This is kind of a battle at the bottom for this stage for me. Toronto Defiant, not very strong in the 2-2-2 roll lock, at least not coming out in that strong. Philadelphia should be stronger than they have looked. Um, you know, Carpe, I think, is kind of the X factor here, and that's the reason I'm going to be giving it to Philadelphia. I don't expect this match to be amazing. Toronto's not really fighting for anything at this point. I mean, obviously, they're still mathematically in the hunt, uh, but I don't think they are. Uh, this should be going closer to eliminating them from it. Philadelphia looking to try and stay in off of some just middling performances in one, two, and three. And again, like I said, I think Carpe is potentially the only X factor here. And that's why I'm I'm putting it to Philly. Another important matchup again, not necessarily Toronto's not eliminated, but you know, they're on the back end of being able to get in. 
to the play-in tournament, but Philly's technically still in the play-in tournament, but currently playing them their way out. We have them losing on Friday, so that would put them at 0-3 on the stage. So if you get to Sunday at 0-3, it's it's a must-win the rest of the way for them. They can't afford to drop anything else, in my opinion. That's Whether they make the stage four playoffs or not is irrelevant. They're going to potentially play themselves out of the season playoffs if they can't at least get the 4-3, and three, I believe. So I, I do think Carpe is the difference here. I think Philly's just the better team, even when they're not playing well. Toronto has just been in flux since stage one, the end of stage one, basically. And they just haven't been able to piece anything together. Could they potentially do it in this matchup? This wouldn't surprise me. But I think Philly's going to find enough of a footing to at least get one win this week and give them a chance down the stretch to sneak into the playoffs. All right. And then we've got what I believe to be a pretty good storyline here. This is going to be the Washington Justice taking on the Vancouver Titans. The Washington Justice golf clap got their first win there in stage one. Or I'm sorry, in week (laughs) one one. (laughs) of stage four. Um, And then we had a Vancouver team who had a lot of questions around them as to are they going to be able to survive outside of the 3-3? What are their their roles going to be? Who's going to play what? We had strong showings from Hacksaw. We had strong showings from Janu. We had strong showings from Hureg coming in and and being kind of a a hit scan specialist for them, a, a role that we had a lot of questions for. Corey came out swinging on the Widowmaker. Uh, sleeping arc rising to the occasion at the support positions for Washington. So this will be a great test for Washington and kind of a, a litmus test for Washington, in my opinion, as to how what their stage four prognosis actually is. I think, you know, I, I am ultimately giving this to Vancouver. I mean, just an obscenely talented team at this point. I don't know that there's anything that they they couldn't do. They're They're talented. They're well coached. They have a lot of just communication synergy. Just they play well together as a team. This is kind of very similar to New York of last year, in my opinion. They're just that good. Uh, but, you know, if Washington comes in and, and does 3-2, takes it to a map 5 here, it looks really competitive. I think that's a really great. I mean, obviously, if they win it, I mean, that's insane. But, uh, you know, if they come in here and they look competitive 3-2, I'll certainly uh, – I think I can bring them up out of their 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 locked and loaded 19-20 position a little bit. <laughs> Um, if they come in and, and get rolled over, you know, three, one, not looking competitive or four, zero, um, I'll probably keep them down there that, you know, and just assume that week one was kind of an everybody's learning two, 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 uh, at that time. I'm not going to be as harsh on them if they lose this four, zero, but it's, it's Hacksaw, it's Nanoblade, it's GG. I don't think they have anything that can combat with that kind of mechanical ability. And Nanoblade is just stupidly OP in my opinion. So that's where I'm going with this. Vancouver will just sit around, wait for that all, and Hacksaw builds it so quickly, it, it won't matter. I don't think Corey will have time to even see it coming because he's going to be targeted heavily. And that, that's the difference in this matchup. I, I do still like Washington within the 2-2-2 roll lock going forward, regardless of this matchup. So won't bump them down too far, even if they do get 4 0 All right, and then finishing out week number two, we've got the Chengdu Hunters taking on the New York Excelsior. This should be a great match for both of these teams. We're going to learn a lot about whether or not Chengdu is going to remain competitive in 2-2-2 or if it's just a benefactor of who they've been playing so far. And another great opportunity for New York Excelsior to figure out their lineup and get what we believe to be their better lineup involved. Uh, bringing in Pine would be really destructive to what Chengdu has been doing. I just, I, again, I'm a Pine believer. I'm a Pine truther at this point. Bring him <laughs> in. The the Libero uh, rotations and things like that, the Libero and Nene rotations were not working for you in week one. I say you got to mix something up, and this is a great opportunity to do that. And so, therefore, I'm taking the New York Excelsior. 
It'll be interesting to see what they do on Friday, and that'll be a better indicator of what they do on Sunday, in my opinion. I, this, again, comes down to the Chengdu consistency, though. Uh, yeah, New York lost last week. They've lost three times total on the season, though, in terms of regular stage play. So I'm going to stick with New York. Even if they didn't put Pine in, I'm sticking with New York just because they're more consistent overall. They have been throughout the season. I do believe I'm with you. The rotation needs to be Libero, save you, be Pine. You don't have to leave Pine in for every map. He's not great for every map because not every map is great for his his signature heroes, either McCree or Widowmaker. But Chengdu's got to find consistency before you can get me to pick them over a New York team that's been so consistent over the course of almost two full seasons now. Um, I do, I do still like Chengdu. I do think they can be a really good two-two-two team. I just, I just don't know that the consistency is ever going to get there. And we talked about it a little bit earlier with the the article that came out. And maybe that's playing into why they don't play as consistent. Maybe they're not having a good week mentally or emotionally. You don't know. A lot of things go into play in any sport, and so you know, it just it changes the way you play within your match if you're not mentally and emotionally there all the time. All right, and that wraps up the breakdown, which means we want to dive a little bit into some power ranks. We don't go into too much detail on this. So these are our consensus power ranks. So Brian and I go through and give the teams our own our own ranks, and then we bring them together, assuming that we'll balance each other out a little bit. And so we've got in our bottom 10, we've got Florida starting from 20, going to 11 here. We've got Florida, Washington, Toronto, Boston, Dallas, Chengdu, Seoul, Philly, Paris, Atlanta. And I don't think anything down here shocks me too much. Uh, Boston absolutely hurting for DPS, uh, looking for a solution in that regard. I think they'll stay down here. Dallas really still hasn't found a good roster that's going to work in the 2-2-2. Chengdu has a lot of question marks. Maybe Seoul being all the way down at 14 is a little bit shocking to some people, but that was just not a great showing from them in week one. People are abandoning this team. Players are abandoning this team. And um, so I think I think they're kind of deserving of this spot right now. And until they prove that they can beat somebody, in this case, in the 2-2-2 lock, I'm going to keep them down there. Um, and potentially Philly having gone so far. I mean, Philly was a pretty consistent regular in that in that 5-8 to eight slot for us. Um, having them down here at 13 just reflects the fact that this team is still looking for a solution at main tank. Uh, they traded away Fraggy, you know, whether or not that was the right decision or not. Sato is not as, you know, if you're looking for Philly to be at that top level, I don't think Sato is the main tank that's going to get you there. Um, so those would probably be my big, my big shockers maybe down in that, in that range. Okay. So first don't, don't think I'm going to let this slip. You use my first name again. I caught that. Oh, really? Yes. Um, so go ahead and drop one in the jar on that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, also, kudos. It's been a while since you've done that. So, <laughs> hey, oh, come on. Yeah, the, the big shock here has got to be Seoul. That's, uh, I don't remember exactly where we had them last week, but I want to say it was in the top eight. So, that's a massive drop. Even if it was just eighth, that's six spots down, you know, consensus wise. But they didn't look good. That's, that's what happens when you don't look good and you're not playing well. Uh, yeah, in the standings, they're probably still in the top 10. I can't remember exactly without looking, but, you know, it's power ranks. They're not based off the standings. They're based off how are you playing at this current moment in time, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So Philly, for me, having Philly at 13 is still a surprise. Like for how they've been playing and where they're at, like the fact that they just keep hanging around is kind of more baffling to me than the fact that they're at 13. 
I would have expected them to come in a little lower. I don't know that I ranked them lower than 13, which is, again, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know, would they beat this team with it? And it's just like, geez, they, like, I still would pick them over these other teams. So like, how, how much can you actually drop them if you think they would beat these other teams? Uh, but those are the two, the two big ones for sure. Uh, I think the bigger surprise out of all of that is the team that's missing, which we'll get to right now. All right, and that is going to take us into our top 10. We'll run them down 10 to 1. We've got the Guangzhou Charge at 9. We've got the Houston Outlaws at 8. The Los Angeles Gladiators, 7, coming in the Hangzhou Spark. 6, the Los Angeles Valiant. 5, the New York Excelsior. Number 4, Scary London Spitfire. Number 3, the Shanghai Dragons. Number 2, the San Francisco Shock. And coming in at 1 is your Vancouver Titans. So as I was stating, the team missing from that bottom 10 finally is the Guangzhou Charge. I think they are good enough to be in the top 10 within a roll lock. I think happy makes a huge difference. We've said it over and over again, but they are certainly a team that is creeping up on that top eight in terms of our power ranks and, and quickly charging that way. If they find a way to even get one win this week, I might bump them up again. Uh I think you've got London too low. I don't know where you have them exactly, but if I have them at two, that should mean you have them at six. That's a mistake, in my opinion. Uh, they, I, I had a right mind to put them at number one, to be perfectly honest with you, but I, I'm still taking in rest of season results to to factor into some of my decisions there. But that's how good London is within a roll lock. Um, New York, New York only slid to five. I was a little surprised by that. Granted, I didn't slide them that far. I thought maybe they could go lower with the Valiant finding a way to get a win. But again, it's one of those situations where it's, would you beat these other teams? And those other teams that are below them find found themselves losing matches this past week as well. Yeah, I think I probably do have London a little low. I think it balances out nicely to having them at number four. Um, potentially, I could give them up to three over the Shanghai Dragons. But I still think at this point, Vancouver and San Francisco just are deeply talented teams that I feel like would give London fits and, and would be able to beat the London Spitfire. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I probably do have them a dash low. That probably means I've got them below the Hangzhou Spark at least and probably below the Los Angeles Valiant, I'd have to assume. I have to go back and look at the sheet. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I concur. Probably a little low on the London Spitfire. I, I guess maybe my only argument there would be, I mean, who have we really seen them play at this point? Um, looking at their schedule this week, I mean, they got Florida. You're not going to learn anything about London when they take on Florida. I think this the kickoff match against the Guangzhou Charge is going to be a great matchup to really learn a lot about London and figure out where they really truly are. Um, in week one, they played Dallas and they played Toronto. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like skyrocket you to the top because you played some bottom tier contenders and managed to do to three one them. Um, you know, if they come out against Guangzhou, three one Guangzhou looking really strong, then they'll probably move up a little bit more again. Uh, and they're not going to benefit any from Florida unless they lose. Uh, <laughs> in which case, I'm going to put them back down to the bottom. But um, that that would be my argument for why we haven't seen London. Vancouver took on the Shanghai Dragons in Week One. That's why I'm going to keep them up there. Um, San Francisco just talented, <laughs> top to bottom. Took down Seoul. I mean, not a big deal there, but. I think that's my argument for, for Seoul. And I agree, Guangzhou Charge being in that top 10 after having such dismal performances in Stage 2 and 3 
Um, but you know what's funny about Guangzhou Chargers? They've always kept their map differential pretty good. Like even right. when they're losing, they always manage to keep the map differential as close as possible, three twos and that and the right. like. I don't, they don't get four would very frequently. Um, so their map differential is pretty strong. I, you know, again, Rolock playing into it. Happy's being really is a really strong player. Uh, like you said, I mean, even with even with those less than less than great performances in two and three, they're they're making a run at potentially getting into the getting out of the play in tournament and getting up into that into that top six, top eight. So really good power ranks there. Any go backs for you? I don't think so. No. Nothing, nothing, nothing to go back on now. I'm comfortable with everything. All right, great. Well, in that case. We are going to bring this episode to a close. Super excited about watching some matches again, getting back into it. I think my neighbor's pretty excited about mowing the lawn, so we'll try and wrap this up pretty fast. <laughs> Please give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Break It Down OWL. Please follow the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Play. And I hope everybody gets a great opportunity to sit down and enjoy another week of learning who's good and who's not in Rolock. Enjoy the matches this week, folks. It's going to be fun.